0: And that is what the people need in this hour. They need real people, real saints of God, real Christians who will carry the light of Christ into dark areas and dispel the darkness. Well, hello, everyone. This is Pastor Mark A. Stroud, and I thank you once again for joining me for Kingdom Rock Radio. Well, on today's broadcast, we're going to continue in the series entitled Walking in the Light. This would be part number five in that series and going strong. Today's subtitle is Who's in the Spotlight? (laughs) That's right. Who's in the Spotlight? We're going to learn about the spotlight of Christ today and so much more. So stick around. Don't forget to log on to our website 24 hours a day at www.kingdomrock.org. There's so much to do there, and we would love to get connected with you. All right, without any further ado, here comes today's message entitled, Who's in the Spotlight? Right here on Kingdom Rock Radio. All right, we're going to look at uh, two key scriptures today in the series. Uh, First is 1 John 1-7. You can write these down or take special note of it. 1 John 1-7 says this, Uh, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses us from all sin. Our next uh, scripture is uh, John 8, 12. You can just make note of these. We've already gone over these uh, in the series before, but I just want to bring some things up to you. You'll see some of these scriptures on the screen behind me. And uh, some, some of them you will not. So you have to make special note. John 8, 12 says, Then spake Jesus again uh, unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followed me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. We're going to talk about that a little bit further today. Uh, you shall have the light of life. Now, as we get into the message uh, subtitle, The Flood Light, this is extremely important that you understand this, The Flood Light. Today we're going to start off, I'm going to define for you what light is and also what the purpose of light is as far as we know it today. What light is and what the purpose of light is, and as we keep these things in mind, it's going to help uh, illuminate the scripture even more so. It's going to help reveal more things to you. So are you ready to get into it? All right. What is light? Light, we can say, is two things. Now, it's a whole lot more. Please understand uh, that I, as your pastor, uh, I do not have infinite knowledge. Boy, y'all looking at me mighty strange this morning. I do not know everything. I can only show you what has been revealed to me. I can only show you uh, what the Lord has illuminated in my path. Amen. What his what his light has revealed to me, I show you what he has revealed to me. You understand that, right? Amen. Next week he can reveal something completely different. The far the further we walk, the more he reveals. Amen. Okay, Amen. all right. So I'm going to give you as I've given you that this caveat. Let me show you what has been revealed to me at this moment. Amen. All right. What is light? Light, of course, is the absence of darkness. Very simple. Light is the absence of darkness. Secondly, and you got to get this. Light is the natural agent that stimulates sight and makes things visible. In other words, it is impossible for you to see uh, when there is no light. You need light to see. Anybody that tells you that they can see in a pitch black room? I don't know what to say about them. Maybe they're wearing night goggles, night vision goggles. But even the night vision goggles are helping them to see. It's giving them some measure of light. But are you hearing? All right. So again, uh, light is the absence of darkness. Uh, It is the natural agent. And in our case as well, supernatural agent. That stimulates sight. In other words, it makes your eyes work. Light makes your eyes work and it enables you to see light. Say light. Light. All right, let's look into some purposes of light. Uh, Very simple. One of the purposes of light is to provide illumination so that a person may better interact with the environment. They may better interact with the environment. When you walk in your house, you turn on the light if it's nighttime So that you can better interact with the environment without light you're stumbling over things and you are falling light helps you to better interact with the environment you see a chair you see a a table you won't run into it normally when you see that it is there okay light helps you to better interact with the environment it brings attention also brings attention to a subject to make it stand out before others light one of the purposes of light again is to bring attention to a subject as right now this very moment these floodlights are bringing attention to me I'm the one under the lights now if we turn the lights on you everybody's looking at you right floodlights lights are being used to bring attention to a subject How many times have we seen that when you're driving on the road in your car at night, your floodlights, your headlights are bringing, bringing attention to the things that are in front of you. Okay. It's helping you to see what's in front of you. What's ahead of you. It brings attention. It makes when you're, when you shine your flashlight and you're in a room, it brings attention to again, the item that you are shining the light on. Okay. Uh, All right. So light is used also to bring attention Uh, in In the widest sense, in the supernatural sense, it brings attention to the hope of Christ and the beauty that he has created in this dark world. Our light, as the Lord says, let your light so shine before men. Our light is used to show people a better way. And show them even a brighter side. Show them a better way. Let God use you to reveal something beautiful. Let him use you to reveal Christ in the situation. Okay, they're walking in darkness. They don't understand. But when you come and you share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them, it opens things up and gives them a new perspective. Are you hearing? First Peter two, nine, you can write the scripture down as well. This is our calling as we are walking light. First Peter two, nine. It says, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who have called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Are you hearing? Amen. God called us out of darkness, called us away from darkness, that we should show forth his praise. In other words, that we should shine the light, the floodlight, shine the light on something that gives him praise. We're like light bulbs in a showcase, so to speak, a display case, shining the light down on the jury. Now, one thing about light is or light bulbs, none of us came in today, if you, let's say you go to a concert or something, and um, has anybody ever been to a concert before and lots of lights and all this stuff going on? Okay. I don't know of anyone that ever goes in and says, ooh, look at those pretty light bulbs. Ooh, those light bulbs are so great. Ooh, (laughs) What wonderful spotlights. Ooh, what wonderful floodlights. Ooh, ooh, ooh. People don't generally pay glory, give a lot of glory to the, the light itself. They give glory and honor to the one that the light is shining on. Right. Amen. So the purpose of us having light and being light is not that people would say, ooh, you are so bright. Ooh, you're the best light bulb for Christ I've ever seen. Ooh, you are so bright. no. The light bulb itself does not bring itself attention. It is to shine on something. I don't think it, I, don't, I don't remember seeing any of you come in and point to the light saying, "Ooh, that's a pretty fluorescent bulb. That's a best looking <laughs> fluorescent bulb I ever seen. Mainly, we really don't notice that they are there until they're not on. You walk into dark room the lights don't come on hey 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 then you are looking up and seeing what's going on Amen, that's right. right you mainly don't even know the light is there until uh it's absent okay so our purpose is to shine the light not on ourselves not be glorious and so bright that people may see us and uh, and, and call us, uh, give us reverence and give us extreme honor because we're so bright. No, a purpose of our light is to shine it on Christ. Amen. Give Jesus a spotlight. Give Jesus the floodlight. Amen. Are you hearing? Yeah. All right. So. Let me show you, before we get uh, further into Scripture today, let me show you how this light would look and how it does look in the Old and New Testament. Okay? There are some physical manifestations of the light of God upon people. Now, I want you to see this. You can write this down if you like. We see one appearance of this light on the face of the prophet Moses. As Moses there, and you can write this down, Exodus, the 34th chapter, Exodus 34 verses 29 through 35, you'll see how Moses went up into the mountain, uh, Mount Sinai to get the uh, 10 commandments. And he comes down from the mountain and his face was shining. His face was shining just like light. I mean, light and the people saw his face and they were terrified. They were terrified. Here's Moses and his face is shining like a giant light bulb, like, like, I mean, really bright. And they were terrified. So Moses had to take a veil and cover his face as he talked to the people. And then when he went in before God, he revealed it. He covered the light because the people were terrified of that light. They saw it because what does light do? Again, light reveals, light reveals. So if we are dwelling in darkness and the light comes, light reproves the darkness. Light shows up what's really there. So they see the light on his face and oh, no, no, no. They realize how bad I am. Oh, God, please cover that up. I don't want you to show me the mess I'm in. So Moses had to cover his face with a veil. We see another interaction of light there in the New Testament, in the life, of course, of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the book of Matthew, Matthew 7, rather Matthew 17, you can get that later, Matthew 17, I'm going to read to you uh, one verse, verse number two, and it says this, of course, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up into the mountain, to a mountain, and he is transfigured before them. And he says that here in uh, verse number two, and it says, and he was transfigured uh, before them and his face did shine as the sun. And his raiment was white as the light. So here we see the Lord Jesus, his face also shining very brightly, his face shining like the sun. But not only his face, but also his clothes were shining. um, Some translations say like lightning. He was extremely bright. Anybody ever seen lightning before? How it just lights up the entire sky. Well, his face was shining like the sun and his clothes, his clothes, what was attached to him, shining like lightning. Wow. Very, very powerful picture. And I would say to you that uh, he didn't just begin to shine like this. He was already shining like this, but it was veiled. Veiled. His light was veiled. Are you hearing me? All right. I hear somebody knocking at the door. Somebody's ringing the bell. Do me a favor. Open the door and let him in. I believe that the light of God is shining and that the world is knocking on our doors, wanting to interact with what's happening on the inside. Are you hearing? All right. All right. So I want you to understand something. Now, here's a wisdom key that I will give you today. And I pray that you're here with me today because we're only going to be here. I'm only going to be with you just for a few moments. As a matter of fact, let me tell you this prophetically. I believe that our time together, me sharing with you the word of God is going to be coming to you a lot less. Now, I will be here, but my time on Sundays to actually be before you, giving you a word is that time is actually um, becoming shorter and shorter and shorter as God gives me the word in accordance to your hunger level. So if you would like more of it, then you're going to have to pray that God increase the size of the plate. He will fill up your measure. He'll fill up your measure, okay? All right. There's a shifting from Sunday morning to Wednesday night. Let me tell you that now. All right, so as we go further into this, let me give you these wisdom keys. Let me give you these wisdom keys. Anybody hungry for the word of God today? Let me give you these wisdom keys, and I pray that you hear this prophetically. Please hear this prophetically. You are designed to become like what you behold. You were designed to become like what you behold. In other words, your life will eventually mimic what you continually set before your eyes. Amen. You can tweet that. Amen. Moses, of course, in the presence of the Lord, his face shined because he was his eyes were continually before the Lord those forty days and forty nights. The Lord Jesus, time after time, goes into the mountain to pray. Goes to the mountain to pray, and he becomes like what he beholds. The Bible says that Jesus was the express image of God. He thought it not robbery to become, to be uh, equal with God. He's in human form, always beholding the face of the father. So he said, when you see me, you've seen the father. Amen. Amen. Why? Because he as what he beholds. He becomes like. Yeah. 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 So I'm ask you this question today. What are you beholding? Because what you behold on a continual basis is what you become like. Think about this in terms of uh, uh, children that grow up and they see uh, mom and the little boy sees his father abusing mother. He sees it. He sees it. He beholds that eventually when he grows up, he becomes just like that. Think about those who are in perversion who spend their times uh, looking at perverted material, pornography and things of those natures. Eventually you will become like what you see. Whatever you set before your eyes on a continual basis, your life will begin to mimic that. You will become like that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it is up to you and I to set good things before our eyes. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Now let's go back to John 8. Let me show you some things here in John 8. Now that was your first wisdom key of the day. That was also a prophetic warning and an encouragement to those who would hear. Uh, John 8, again, let's look down to uh, verse number 12. Now, of course, on last week, we saw this as the lion's roar, as the Lord Jesus Frees this woman that was caught in the act of adultery as he frees her from destruction. Remember, they said because of the adultery, she must be killed. She must uh she must be punished because of what she has done. But Jesus frees her, and then he declares this word, I am the in verse number twelve, after that freedom. He says in verse number 12, then spake Jesus again unto them saying, I am the light of the world. So here again, we know what light does. Light dispels darkness. Okay. Light dispels darkness. And of course, in that context of scripture, Jesus as being the light revealed what was in the hearts of her accusers. They saw, remember, they came to him all righteous. Uh, we are righteous to want to kill her. We are righteous to want to stone her. Look what she did. We are righteous. We are righteous and, and holy men, and she should be punished for what she has done. So the Lord Jesus turns on the light and he reveals, shows them, shows them that they were themselves, uh, in sin themselves. They were not without sin. The light reveals their heart. The light reproves or or brings forth correction and they drop their stones and begin to walk away. Light reveals. So the Lord says again, I am the light of the world. He says, he that followeth me. Now, I want to show show you this. This is very uh, very, peculiar. You're going to have to see this. He said, he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life he said he that followeth me so he's not talking just to a quote-unquote believer he's not talking to uh, just those that are in the world he's talking to those who are following him the followers of christ are also known as anybody disciples he's talking to disciples the disciples of christ question are are you a disciple are you a disciple? Are you a follower of Christ? Then if you are, the very next part of this verse applies to you. A disciple is not one that just hears word, but disciple is one who hears word and does what it says. Are you understanding? Now the Lord also says that a disciple is one that would take up his cross and follow after him. And let me bring this to you one more time. Taking up your cross is a one way ticket to death. If you were back in Bible times and you understood, think about the crucifixion, the crucifixion process of the Lord. He knew and understood that once he picked that cross up, there was no coming back. You picked up the cross for one reason. You were taking it up to a hill and they were going to nail you on it and you were going to die. So when the Lord says, uh, a disciple is one who will take up his cross and follow after him, simply saying this, you must be willing, if necessary, to give your life in obedience to the master. Taking up your cross means, if necessary, you're willing to die for what you believe. Willing to give your physical life. Of course, Paul says, we die daily. He said, I die daily. That is some part of me, uh, some part of me, uh, I'm losing certain parts or evil parts of myself that the, that Christ may be revealed in me. Amen. Amen. There are some desires in us that are really dark. There are some things in us that are really dark. And as we die daily, the Lord removes those things from us that his light may shine even brighter. Are you hearing? Amen. All right, but he said, "He that followeth me." So let's let's keep this thing in perspective. The, the, what he's about to say, uh, he's saying to those that are following him. Amen? amen. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have say shall have, shall have. but shall have the light of life. Now the the wording here shall have. Shall have means to have, it means to hold, it means to possess, be joined to, to adhere to, to cling to the light. In other words, you're not just going to have, if you would, if we would say a light bulb, but you're going to become that light bulb. The light is going to possess you and you are going to possess the light. So much so, here again, the Lord is talking to those that are following him. So much so, when people look at you, they will see light. Amen. Amen. You understanding? Amen. You and the light will become one. Amen. And this is a promise that the Lord gives to those that are following him. Now, again, God is not saying to us that I'm going to make you light so that you can stand in a party and, and, and show a, a party trick. Hey, turn off all the lights. Look what I can do. <laughs> no. He's going to use you to provide wisdom, to provide understanding, to provide insight, to provide direction, to show a better way, to show a brighter side. That people may come out of darkness, may come out of hopelessness, may come out of depression, may come out of anxiety. That he may use you to pull them out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is the hour of light. Are you hearing? This is the hour of light. This is the hour that God will infuse the body of Christ with light. Because the world is growing darker and darker every day. And if there's ever a time that the world needs light, it's now. Are you hearing? So the Lord gives us, he tells us about this transformative process as we go to uh, John 9. I'm going to show you a few other things today. As we go to the book of John, John 9, and the Lord says this in verse number four, he says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, the ninth cometh when no man can do work. Verse five, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Again, again, he decrees here that he is the light of the world. Now, every time he he makes this decree, something happens afterwards or before it uh, to validate his claim, to validate his statement. Well, what happens next in verse number six? It says when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. Wow. Here again, remember that light is that agent that stimulates sight. So here is Jesus declaring, I am the light of the world. And here's someone that is blind. That is obviously, that is obviously, obviously been walking in darkness And so here is light coming to someone that has been walking in darkness. Well, what does light do? Light displaces darkness. It casts darkness away. Remember, Jesus made the statement again, I am the light of the world. And then he turns to a blind man and he spits on the ground and he makes us uh, makes clay and he puts it on the man's eyes. And it, that is he anoints him with it. And then he tells the man, go wash in the pool of Siloam being interpreted uh, sent. And the man comes back seeing. So again, the Lord said, I am the light of the world. And he gives another, another illustration of what light does. Light brings people out of darkness. It causes the blind to see. Understand something in a totally pitch black environment. All of us are blind. In the absence of light, we're all blind until someone turns on the light. And this is another prophetic picture of what he has called us to do, being light, to lead others out of darkness. God has commissioned you as the light to bring others out of darkness. Let me say that again. God has commissioned you as light to bring others out of darkness. Amen. (laughs) This is a an official decree made by the king, his majesty, the Lord Jesus Christ to the people of God in this hour. You have an official decree from his majesty to leave those in darkness, out of darkness, leave them out through his marvelous light. This is a decree. Now, the question is, will you receive the decree of the king? Will you receive that decree? Yes. John twelve verse thirty five says this. Then Jesus said unto them, uh, Yet a yet a little while uh, is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that uh, he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whether he goes. Verse thirty six. While ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be children of light. These things spake Jesus and departed and did hide himself from them. Now understand something. He says is now it's time for us to believe in his light and believe that God has given you a measure of light. Now, there are some dangers to this, and I've got to give this to you. And I pray that you're that you're still open and receptive to hear this. In Matthew five, Matthew five, verses 14 through 16. Let me show you some dangers that are here. Let me caution you. Let me tell you to be sober as God brings this to us in Matthew 5, uh, verse 14 through 16. And he says this, ye are the light of the world. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on and healed cannot be hid. Now understand something. He says again, you are the light. It does not say that you are carrying my light. He says you are the light. Who's he talking to? Once again, he's talking to the disciples, those that are following him. In other words, the light will so infuse you that once he is done and once once he has uh, completed his work with you, and even now in this time, that, that people, when they interact with you, will not be able to tell the difference between you and a light bulb. Amen. Amen. Not only now, I'm not speaking of a natural light bulb. Please understand what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, God, please help me to understand what I'm saying. <laughs> but you will be so transformed or so transfigured as like Christ was so transfigured. That you won't be able to tell the difference between you and the light. You will be one in the same. The Lord says here again, those who follow me shall have or shall possess the light of life. You shall have, possess, cling to, take hold of. It will own you and you will own it. You will be one. And that is what the people need in this hour. They need real people, real saints of God, real Christians who will carry the light of Christ into dark areas and dispel the darkness. They need real Christians, real disciples who will bring hope to the hopeless. Are you understanding? Oh, it's time. So he says, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on the hill cannot be hidden. Now look at this. He says, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a, but on a, a candlestick. And it give light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. Why is the work good? Jesus said, there is none good but God. So what would be a good work? A good work is a God work. A work that shows forth the praises of God. A work that people can see, oh, God is working in this. A good work is a God work. A work that has been ordained by God. A work that has been assigned to you by the Holy Spirit for the purposes of glorifying God the Father. Amen. Let them see your good works, your God works, your God inspired works, and they will glorify your father, which is in heaven. Are you hearing now again? He says need make special note of this underline bushel. He said they don't light a candle and put it under a bushel, but under a, but on rather a lamp, but rather on a candlestick. And it gives light to all those that are in the house. Mark 4 21 as we begin to close Mark 4 verse 21 says this and he said unto them is a candle brought to be put under a bushel again this is Mark 4 verse 21 is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed now let me bring this attention to you a bushel Was used uh, mostly in harvesting. It simply was a basket. Uh, Some say it was a, it could hold maybe eight gallons of dry goods. So it was a pretty good sized basket. So he said, Men don't bring candles in. You don't light a candle and then put a big basket on top of it. What would that do? He says, Here in, yeah, it would probably catch on fire, wouldn't it? But today, let's think about it in terms of a light bulb. If it is pitch dark in the room and you only have one light bulb and it's on the ground, obviously, for some reason, someone has wired a light bulb on the ground. He said, people don't go and then get a basket and put it over and the room is still dark. What would that do? Are you here? Are you getting that picture? Getting that imagery? He says in Mark 4, 21, he said, uh, is a candle brought to be put under a bushel or under a bed and not to be set on a candlestick? All right, let's go down to Luke uh, Luke 11, verse 33. Now, there's a whole lot more to that, but we can't get into it today. Luke 11, verse 33 says this, no man, when he hath lighted a candle Put it in a secret place, neither under a bushel, but on a candlestick, that they which come in may see the light. Now, there's a whole lot more to this, but I'm going to give you the short and skinny of it. There are a whole lot more details, but I'm going to give this to you. Understand something. There are dangers. And if you are are truly a disciple of Christ, you need to understand these dangers. The Lord said, men do not, or it it, it it is not a common thing to light a candle and then put a basket over it. Useless. Here again, what is a basket used for? Many times the basket was used during harvest time. You're out in the field and you're and you're and you're harvesting your items, corn or grain or what have you. And you're gathering them in baskets to bring in the basket or the bushel represents work. Here's a warning. Don't allow your work or your toil to suffocate your light. Because we can work so much. Toil so much. And then people can't see the light because you're just too busy. And then the, then the Lord says, neither do men um, light a candle and place it under a bed. We saw that in Mark 4. Bed represents uh, sleep. It represents work. Or rather, sleep or rest. It also can uh, represent laziness. Don't want to share the light. So we put it under a bed, put it under a sleeping place, a resting place, a lazy place. He said, it's not done. He said here in Luke 11, uh, neither do men light a candle or bring forth the light. Uh, we don't do it and then put it in a secret place. Secret place uh, talking about um, uh, really could, could really be talking. Uh, the secret place could be really talking about uh, selfishness. You want to keep some things to yourself. The light is indeed shining. But it's just not shining where other people can see it. You've hidden it in a secret place, in a closet. You're going to keep the light for yourself. Either out of fear, embarrassment, don't want to be humiliated for shining the light of Christ. So you can keep it burning, yes, but just somewhere else where nobody can see it. Keep it locked up and hidden away. The Lord said it should not be done. But it should be in all three cases, it should be placed on a candlestick. A candlestick. Now, this is what you need to be praying about here. This is what you need to be praying about right here. A candlestick is the place where God has designated for you to be positioned to shine. A candlestick is that place where where those that are in the room, those that are in the environment will receive the optimum light. A candlestick is the place of your best efficiency. Here in modern day culture, we hang Lights on the ceiling. That's the best best place for people to see the light. You have a best place for your gifts, a best place for your talents. You have to make sure that you're not placing your gifts or talents under a basket or under a bed or in a secret place. Seek God for the optimum place. Seek God for your candlestick. Seek God for your candlestick. One more time. I pray you hear me. Oh God, I pray you hear. Seek God for your candlestick. There is a place. There is a singular place. Not many places. There is a singular place. A singular candlestick where you will be most effective. A singular place where you will be most effective. Are you hearing? Amen. And in this place, it will give glory to God. I pray you receive the word of God. Today we're done in Jesus. My name, give Lord a mighty hand of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter And subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more right there at KingdomRock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10. Wednesday night, we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.